0: Welcome back to 10 Tents Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Vierout, and uh, this week I have the pleasure of having Martina Kwan on the show. And if you're not familiar, uh, Martina Kwan is a race car driver, a war survivor, award-winning business founder and entrepreneur, and a speaker and transformational coach. She is a championship-winning Porsche driver for the Porsche Owners Club of Southern California and has won three consecutive championships in 2017, 2018, and 2019. She's also an FIA-licensed Selene S1 racer and a nationally certified PCA driving instructor. And if that wasn't impressive enough, she has a master's degree in accountancy and hotel and restaurant management. Uh, she has two Emmy awards and four Telly awards for her involvement in sew so animation. And she has won 11 awards for her luxury furniture company, Neoteric Luxury. And she has two teenage daughters. So to sum it up, she's the busiest person on earth. So thank you for taking the time to uh, sit down with, uh, with me today and just kind of give our viewer, or listeners and viewers a chance to get to know you.
1: Thank you so much, Robert, for having me.
0: (laughs) So how's it going over? You're in California right now, Los Angeles.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's actually, you know, it's uh, a little quiet, but it's been a really productive time for me. You know, I know the world's on hold, but, um, you know, we'll we'll talk about it later, but have been focusing on two new ventures. So it's been quite exciting, actually.
0: Yeah, We'll definitely get into that. I, I like if it, for anyone that's already not aware, like if you follow her on Instagram, uh, Matt Martina Kwan, she's constantly doing something like even everyone else is on lockdown and you see her just out, uh, not just not out, but like out constantly hustling and getting more things done. So it's, it's, you're very impressive and inspiring um, just to, to pay attention to. But if you want, we'll take a quick step back and kind of introduce everybody to like who you are. Um, you're you've got you're really well traveled, and didn't like didn't grow up in Los Angeles. So, like, would you mind kind of walking us through where you how you got to where you are today?
1: Yeah, uh, you know, I was born in Hong Kong. My father's Chinese, my mom's German, and uh, so we moved around a lot as children. Uh, my stepfather was Lebanese, so we moved to Beirut, Lebanon, uh, as an eight year old, and had to leave there uh, after the war started and moved to my mom's you know, country in Hamburg, Germany. And then we moved to Bahrain, to Amsterdam, Germany, started college in Switzerland, and then I moved to the States. But I moved to the East Coast. So first it was Miami to study, and then uh, finished my second master's degree in Boston, <laughs> <laughs> and then started my career in accounting in New York City. Um, you know, fast forward to 2007, moved to Miami Beach, and... Uh, you know, really grew my company, Neoteric Luxury, and then moved to Los Angeles finally in 2013. And this is the most amazing place here in LA. I I really, you know, honestly, I didn't want to move here because I thought it was all about movie stars and producers, and I really wasn't into that. Um, But it's so beautiful. I mean, you have mountains one hour from the city and the driving roads are amazing. And of course, all the racetracks are my favorite. (laughs)
0: yeah california is a really great place to be because you could all those tracks are really close and i got friends uh like james hartrez who's uh, a spec racer ford he's been on the show a handful of times yeah he's out kind of at, not in los Angeles, but out in california and he's always at, at like laguna seca or these you know amazing courses that i, I haven't had a chance to even get to yet mm-hmm. <laughs> so what so what did your parents do that, that that got had you travel so much at such a young age
1: So my stepfather was in the airline business in the cargo side of the business. And, uh, so that's, you know, we moved to Beirut because that was his home country as well as, uh, the country of MEA, the airline. And he also later worked for Gulf Air. So, you know, that's sort of why we moved around. A lot of people think it was military, but it wasn't.
0: Yeah. I was a military. It makes sense, but yeah. Airline also makes a lot of sense. I'm a, I'm in, in aerospace. I make fuel nozzles for airplanes. Um, at Collins Aerospace. So it's, I'm fully aware of how easy it is to get it swept into different countries based on a job. So it's mm-hmm. definitely, definitely puts you in a different perspective on how you grew up because you're going to, you're, you're seeing the world, different parts of the world as you, as you evolve as a person. So, like, when you get to California, you don't just know California. You know, you know, Hong Kong, you know, Beirut, you know, a lot of Europe, Switzerland, and, and Miami, which is kind of funny that you would start. Your first um, like place to live in America is Miami, and that wouldn't necessarily be the what I would consider the um, the way to describe America to anybody else.
1: Mm-hmm. So true. I mean, I arrived in Miami, and honestly, I was uh, kind of shocked that not more people spoke English. You know, that was <laughs> that was my first impression. So, you know, um, it wasn't necessarily my favorite place, but. I wanted to study in a sunny place, if you will.
0: Yep. Where did you study in, in uh, Miami?
1: So for my bachelor's, I went to University of Miami.
0: Okay. Well, so my, my brother was at Florida International, so I've, I've actually been down in Miami quite a bit. So like uh, just for vacations and stuff and visiting him. So it's, I, I really like Miami, which is kind of funny because I'm, you know, a, a small town farm kid. So Miami's the polar opposite of that, but I, I love the ocean. I love the beaches. <laughs> so Miami is is a, is a great place for me to visit, but... So it's a cool place to to live.
1: Yeah, I would definitely, you know, I hope that uh, Formula One goes there. I mean, that would be amazing.
0: Yeah, I I would have to make that trip. I I think just to see it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, For, forget about uh, you know Texas or Montreal. I would definitely go to Miami to see Formula
0: One. Yep, let's yeah, let's hope that once everything's back in order and they can kind of jump through all the hoops that is the local government beyond COVID and stuff like that, they can actually get it in place because I think that'd be a really, really unique setup and and it looks like it would be, it would be successful. Mm-hmm. So, have you always been into motorsports or like moving around? I guess. Was your family into motorsports as well? Or is this kind of a new thing for you? New-ish thing?
1: No, I mean, I actually, no, not at all. I mean, (laughs) I spent my childhood in cities and we didn't even, in a lot of cases, drive cars. So, and my parents weren't really into motorsports. I did, you know, my father did like Porsche and Mercedes Benz. But uh, myself, I didn't really get into it until I came to California. So my company had sponsored a track track event in Colorado with Benjamin West, and it was at Pikes Peak International Raceway. And that started in 2011 and, and really piqued my interest. But at the same time, you know, I was a businesswoman and a mom, and I wasn't going to be be a race car driver. So I did start going to porsche owners club uh, about five years ago you know track day here track day there but nothing too serious until the end of 2016
0: <laughs> right so were you always kind of an adrenaline junkie as what, well, or like what, what i guess what led you to that first track day
1: Well, I, you know, I've always loved horses. So one horsepower has always been my favorite and still is my favorite animal. So I love galloping fast on trail rides. I don't really like the structured, you know, show jumping and all that stuff. I just like running, you know, on, you know, mowed down cornfields kind of thing. And, uh, and then in Switzerland, when I went to the American College of Switzerland, I started skiing and I really, that was my favorite. So two favorite sports, horseback riding and snow skiing. So I would say they're probably somewhat adrenaline junkie-esque sports.
0: <laughs> no, that, that makes sense. I think I, I grew up always into skating as, and, and always was trying to get better at that. But then the injuries kind of caught up to not really worth it anymore. And then with age comes a cage, apparently. So I, I kind of, I always was into cars and, and kind of gravitated towards racing in general. So the more I got into it, the more I've gotten into like time trials and then hopefully get into wheel, wheel here probably the next year or two. So that's so
1: cool. Yeah. Yeah, It's so addictive, isn't it? (laughs) It's really the best sport, uh, the most addictive sport I've ever tried. I love it. It's just something that is, once it gets in your blood, it just doesn't leave.
0: (laughs) Yep. Yep. Yeah. Cause I mean, cause yeah, your first track day was what year was that?
1: Uh, I think, well, aside from the one in Colorado, um, I believe it was a January in 2015, maybe with the Porsche owners club and just driving up from LA up to, uh, streets of Willow at Willow Springs was incredible. I mean, just driving up the Hill in my Porsche 911, it just felt like all my problems were falling behind me. And, you know, arriving at the desert racetrack was, it was just, um, an experience I'll never forget.
0: Yeah. Even, even before you get there, you're all, it's already changing you, you know, like it's, it's, it's the whole, the whole trip already.
1: Yeah. It's, you know, it's the, it's the preparation, getting all your stuff together and then, you know, at first, I mean, silly me, I would stop at the 76 station here near the highway and get racing fuel here. Now I just wait till, till the race <laughs> <waste>. track. <laughs> Why waste the money, right? Yep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess from that track day, did it did it evolve? Rel- I mean, r- relatively quickly because you went from your first track day to now a three time champion to now doing wheel to wheel as well i mean did, was it just like as soon as that first hit it was like okay i gotta go to the next track day. i gotta know go the next next track day, and then just like weekend after weekend type thing or
1: well no i mean i wanted to go to the next track day i was already addicted <laughs> but it wasn't really a reality for me so here and there in 2015 i went to a track day and then in 2016 the first half was pretty busy with business trips to Dubai and Abu Dhabi. So I didn't really um, focus too much on it. And the other thing was that my Porsche 911 was also my street car. So I didn't want to hurt it. (laughs) So, you know, um, I think you really have to be willing to let go of the car in order to get better. So by the end of 16, I was ready. I started buying track insurance and I was like, I don't care what happens to the car. I just want to drive faster. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yep, that 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 took a long time for me to get over because I I started in 2007 when I bought the car. I was into like show cars and I wanted it to be perfect and I wanted to build it and have it be just pristine. And then if anything was wrong, like like I finished painting the car and I brought the the hood into the draw into the garage with the car. And the first thing I did was scratch the fender with the hood, and I had to go back and fix it the very next day very much not the case anymore where it's like the more you get into racing and then the more you get serious about it the less you really care about Mm -hmm. the little details of the car so i've noticed that for sure because like once in the last year or two i've been able to really like okay well you have to be willing to be uncomfortable you have to be willing to take that risk if the car gets stuffed into a wall that's part of it and that, that took me quite a while to get get my head around
1: it's so true. I mean, the first, you know, I remember the first track days I would bring all sorts of tape and like cover my car to protect it. And now it's like, great, the more, you know, the more pebbles on it the better cuz they're kind of like war scars in my mind.
0: <laughs> yep. And then it was what was your first car that really threw you down this path?
1: The Porsche 911 you know i was living in miami beach at the time and it was 2011 and i was finally able to afford my dream car which was at the time a 911. so um but more importantly that car i've converted to a full-on race car and it's sort of accompanied me on re um reclaiming my own identity so that car means the most to me i mean i i a year and a half ago, also bought then my next dream car, which was a Porsche GT3 RS.
0: <laughs> that's that's and a very it, nice one.
1: <laughs> amazing, uh, so powerful, incredible. But, you know, you can't really open it up on the streets of LA without worrying about getting a speeding ticket. So I didn't really see the point in keeping it. Uh, yeah. So the Porsche 911 has meant the most to me. I also have a... Um, what I call snooze fest. He's uh, a Cayenne S. So, you know, not too fun, but practical. Yeah,
0: <laughs> a, a daily driver. It, it gets, it gets the job done. Yeah. So it, it, is it Porsche or nothing for you or is that just happened to be where you ended up?
1: Actually, I, I mean, like I said, I'm a formula one fan and I'm a Mercedes AMG Patronas fan for formula one. And so, about 2 years ago Dwayne Dement and I uh went in on a uh, Mercedes AMG Black Series CLK 63 way race car. So right. that's incredible. I mean it's such a I call it dust beast cuz it's so powerful, it sounds amazing. And so hopefully later this year we'll we'll both
0: I'm sorry you cut out there.
1: Oh. Um
0: so yeah, so... La- later this year you plan to do what with it? <laughs>
1: Yeah. So this year, hopefully, uh, towards the later part of the year, Dwayne and I might both race the AMG, which I call dust beast.
0: <laughs> and, uh, what, what series does that be running or what series will you be running that in?
1: It would be in the Porsche owners club and the GT two class. Um, but I also have another race car in mind for it later this year.
0: <laughs> Is any, are you keeping that under wraps?
1: Um, for now, yes, but it's a car <laughs> that I drove last year. Okay. <laughs> yeah. People
0: have to dive into your Instagram and see if they can figure out which car it is. <laughs> um, I guess was wheel to wheel always kind of the goal once you went, when going down that path or I guess, yeah, I guess that it naturally progressed to like, you know, this time trials wasn't quite doing it. Now it's, now it's a little bit more.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, So in September of 2016, I I went to Dubai on on one of the business trips, and I rode a horse in the desert there. And that's when I said, you know, I'm going to name my car Firehorse, and I'm going to become a race car driver. So uh, being a race car driver means racing wheel to wheel. So yes, that was ultimately the goal. And I'm i'm amazed i mean it's been an incredible past three and a half years the best in my life really really fun
0: (laughs) i believe it now when you when you come back from your horse ride in the desert what's your first step do you 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 go to get a coach do you go to like a school or i guess how did you go about making that happen
1: So what's great about the Porsche Owners Club is that it's a very systematic, um, system where you start in performance driving series and you get instructors assigned to you for the whole weekend when you go, and then you graduate to time trial and then you do the racers clinics and then you go into wheel to wheel racing if you choose. So I was lucky enough to have the best instructor, um, the chief driving instructor of POC is Dwayne Dement, uh, who happens to now also be the love of my life, <laughs> and we're going to co-found a racing school um, in the ensuing next months. Uh, but yeah, so he—I was lucky enough to be coached by him, and. He's an incredible race car driver. I mean, you know, he knows Porsches inside and out. He owns Vision Motorsports and has been in Porsches for 40 years. So he has a very, very specific style. And um, I respond to it. It's kind of the tough love um, race coach style. You know, if if, 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 you know, I know that when we get out of the car and he doesn't say anything it's kind of like silent but deadly.
0: <laughs> you know you know you so made a mistake. Like,
1: oh shit, what did I do? You know. <laughs> um, but it really makes you think. So his driving style is very zen-like and um yeah. Uh he's definitely a huge inspiration to me, both on the track and off.
0: Yeah, I I can definitely tell by the way you talk about him. It it there's there's definitely more to it than just the the racing obviously. <laughs> And then, how did you get uh, set up with Celine S one, uh, the Celine S one Cup? I think is what it's called, right?
1: Yes. So about um, a little over a year ago, at Cars and Copters in Huntington Beach, I was there with my Silver Bullet GT3 RS, and uh, I was approached by Gabrielle Catchinger, who used to be the former technical director of FIA, and Diane Esprit of Celine. And they presented me with the uh, Celine S1 Cup program. And honestly, I wasn't in a position to invest that much money, almost half a million dollars yeah. <laughs> into a season. And as we talk th- further, uh, they decided to fully sponsor me for the season.
0: Oh, my gosh. That's incredible. So
1: it was really incredible. I mean, I, I thank Steve Celine, and Gabrielle. I'll never forget this experience and that they believed in me. You know, it was really, truly, I mean, I couldn't believe they were talking to me, honestly. I it was like, are you really <laughs> talking, talking to me when they approached me? So I'm very thankful and grateful. I know it's very unusual to have that opportunity.
0: Yeah, that's 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 an amazing opportunity. And uh, how many races did you end up running with, like the whole season or all, just a few?
1: Yeah, so I participated in all seven races. It started in Portland, then we went to Watkins Glen, Road America, and we had our season finale at Las Vegas Motor Speedway.
0: Oh, very nice. How, how did you end up doing?
1: Uh, not bad. I mean, I, I podiumed twice in seven races, so I was really really pretty pleased with that because I mean all the other drivers I mean have been in go-karts since they were children you know all the other drivers pretty much were pro drivers so I I was quite pleased it was it was an incredible experience and very bonding as well it was a very um just hanging out in the hospitality tent and racing with the other racers was just a really great bonding experience so It's one that I will never forget.
0: I say that's that's a really unique car. Like it's, I I got the stats here. It's a twenty six hundred pound, four hundred and fifty horsepower, two and a half liter twin turbo four cylinder with a carbon fiber body, and and obviously not quite the same setup as a Porsche. Was was making that transition to that car just a learning experience, or like, did it was it more natural? Or I guess, yeah, I guess my question would be. Comparing it to uh, Firehorse, did I get that right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Comparing it to your Porsche, what, what was it like to, to make that transition?
1: Oh, my gosh. I mean, I love Porsche, but Firehorse is totally sluggish compared to the Celine S1. And, um, you know, I – the Selina S1, because, you know, at first – I remember getting into the car for the first time about one year ago to this day at thermal and being really scared. I mean, paralyzed with fear. And, you know, this is something I haven't admitted before, but basically, you know, we were supposed to drive just around the parking lot. We weren't going on the big track. I was so afraid that I was running over cones Like and you- I was hoping as I got back out of the car that nobody noticed. you know I was like all nonchalant like, okay, I got this you know
0: <laughs> nailed it.
1: <laughs> but you know it wasn't so the thing is I wasn't scared because it was a race car because you know I was I was used to race cars. I was afraid of that car. I was afraid of that car because of the sounds it made. And I didn't really identify till August. So this was, you know, basically in May when we first got in. Then I drove in Portland during the race and went to China, performed in the Salinas one in the Olympic Bird's Nest Stadium in front of 25,000 people. But it wasn't until August 15th on a morning. It was leading up to Watkins Glen. And I mean, I was like, shit, you really have to get a handle on this car. What what the hell is the problem with you not being able to get into this car? You know? And so on August 15th, I finally woke up and I'm like, Oh my God, you know, it, the car reminded me of sounds that I had heard as a child over four decades ago. So it reminded me of the sounds of machine gun fire, bombs and explosions that I had heard as a nine and 10 year old in Beirut, Lebanon. So, um, you know, having identified the fear, finally, I pulled over on, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with Buttonwillow, but I was driving over the grapevine. And before the ascent starts, uh, I just pulled over and I looked on YouTube and I found a video of the real sounds of machine gun fire, explosions and bombs, listened to it at full volume for an hour. And for the first time in over four decades, I kind of remembered, you know, the feelings I had, as a child. And, you know, how afraid I was when we started hearing machine gun fire start in the distance and slowly, but surely it would get louder and louder, meaning closer to our apartment building. And then the bomb sirens going off and us, you know, having to move into the corridor, which we used as our bomb shelter um, and all the neighbors would come down. So it was like a really intense time. And I really kind of, had swept it under the rug for um, over four decades. And so, but the thing is, you know, after listening for at full volume, I got into the Celine at Buttonwillow and I was like, I got this, you know, I, I'm able to drive this car more like my fire horse, you know, because I felt like i had kind of gotten away, gotten rid of, you know, those, those feelings of, of fear that I had. So this, I mean, this car and I, I call, I drove many different Celine numbers, like number nine and different ones, but I call them blaze two, you know, Steve Celine's original car was blaze and the ones I drove, I call blaze two. <laughs> so blaze two changed my life as well.
0: Yeah. No kidding. That I, think that I think that kind of shows like your, your mental toughness. I think a lot, not a lot of people could go through what they, what you went through and then just kind of brush it off for 40 years and then kind of have a, like an like an epiphany going, Oh, you know, that's where this fear is coming from. And then instead of just like bottling it up even more and like curling into a ball and hiding from it, like, no, I'm going to face this head on. And then you, and you play, play machine gun fire and force yourself to go through it and then actually live it in like relive it rather. And then, then get, not necessarily get over it. Cause that's not necessarily how that PTSD works, but like get to a point where you can control your feelings about it. And I think that says a lot about you as like, as a strong person.
1: Thank you. It was really, um, the scariest, most challenging, but also most thrilling experience of my life driving that car. And I don't think I've 100% gotten over it and I would love the opportunity to drive the car again and just Fully conquer
0: it. <laughs> I like that attitude about it. <laughs> I, I, that's such a. I feel like that's such an underappreciated and under an unknown car. Like so, like the selene S7 came out, and everyone knows about that car. But then, like the S1 comes out, and there's like a whole cup series around it. And it's yeah, it's it's less than a hundred thousand dollars for the car that you could buy. And it's it's a super awesome car, and but it's just not out there. So I think it's awesome that you got a chance to drive it, and then have it change your life in such a way like that so yeah i'm, I'm very jealous that you got to drive that car and then <laughs> race it of course <laughs> thank you <laughs> and then yeah, i kind of talked about how I've, I'm, I'm impressed with your mental toughness but do you do you think because you weren't someone that started in carts at a young age that like me you start like kind of got into racing it a little bit later in life does that change your approach at all on, on how you like I don't know, get, get better quickly, I guess, for lack of a better way of asking.
1: Well, because, you know, you, I think there's nothing compared to seat time. And so there's a lot of catch up to do with, you know, kids who've had the experience in go-karts and, and racing for years and years. Um, But I think it's all about your focus and determination in wanting to become successful and you have to put in the time. So, I mean, I haven't stopped since November of 2016. It's, it almost has to become an obsession. You know, you, I mean, I'm super competitive. (laughs) So, you know, and growing up being half Chinese and half German being number two is not really an option. (laughs) So, you know, you kind of have to force yourself to, to get better and get better. And I couldn't have done it either without Dwayne DeMent. So, you know, um, with the tough love coaching approach. (laughs) Yeah. But there's a lot of, you know, you just, you have to spend so many hours. I mean, I spent hundreds of hours on the simulator, trying to prepare myself for the Celine races and uh, my hands were like, so sore by the end of the season
0: <laughs> I, I, that, that actually is my next question is like how much sim racing do you do like are, are you into sim racing
1: i mean i actually ended up buying the simulator last summer um i i think it's very useful to learn the racetracks i think it's really amazing for that the real realism is astounding And so I started at base 51 and they have those mega, I think it's a CSX uh, motion. And um, Rene Villeneuve uh, was my coach at base 51. And it was really useful getting to know the track. So when I arrived at Portland, it was like, wow, you know, I've I've been here. (laughs) I, I know every inch of this track, you know, but it's not real. The thing with sim racing is that it's not real. And so you're like, oh, man, you know, I'm getting great times on the sim. And then you get in the real race car and it's like, oh, shit, you know. <laughs> so, um, you know, I haven't really participated in a lot of, you know, racing races. Um, and I, I think it's actually so different from racing that people who've never been in a race car really need to be careful um, because there are so many differences between the sim and real life that it could fool you into thinking that you're a race car driver, but you're not, you know, if you drive the real thing, you're a race car driver. If you drive a sim, you're playing a game finished.
0: <laughs> yep. Well, a, a good example is and I, it's kind of my go-to because last year I spent a bunch of time in R factor, um, learning gateway, um, in St. Louis. I was so confident. I was real comfortable put down a, a really, like it for me it'd be a really fast time, like a minute, eight something, and that was in practice. And then I go out for the first time session and time trials, and I put it into the wall. It's just I got so confident and and comfortable doing what I was doing in the sim that I wasn't necessarily reading the road uh, or the track, rather. I wasn't f- actually in the moment. I was just following the, the the footsteps of what I was building on earlier. And the gear ratio was different in the car I was using to practice. Like ev- Everything was different so that when I had to make a, an adjustment, I couldn't. And then I made a mistake and ended up sliding into the wall. Mm-hmm. And then it took me like the whole rest of the season to kind of build that confidence back up again. So that, that, that's, that was always my biggest takeaway. I was like, this is great for learning some things, but don't rely on it.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
0: And then is I, is I racing what you use typically?
1: Well, um, I, <laughs> I have Project Cars, uh, Aceto Corsa, which I kind of like, yep. and iRacing. It's the braking feels a little funny to me in iRacing, and I, I haven't changed any of the setup. I'm not one of those, you know, <laughs> people who knows what to do. I was just, you know, I really just bought it um, to practice for the Celine, really.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, I. That, I'm kind of in the same thing. Like I, I prefer Assetto Corsa. I really like the fact that in Assetto Corsa you're able to kind of drift the car and catch yeah. it and catch it and save it. i racing <laughs> if you go over the limit just a smidge it, it's 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 gone. It's like you're on ice and the car's just gone and there's no saving it and it's so frustrating. But mm-hmm. like I got a handful of friends that we do weekly races and that's like why i I do i racing but yeah, settle course is kind of my go-to when I when I want to learn a track and plus
1: mm-hmm. all the mods
0: out there make it great to actually go on a track that's out there.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. Especially, you know, in a Seto Corsa and a Nine Eleven, you you kind of get that weird feeling. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then, what what setup do you have?
1: Um, so, I was really lucky because I ended up finding it on Craigslist, and so the guy was a total like, you know, sim head. But him and his wife now we're getting into mountain biking. So, the setup is basically it's a bride seat and um, Fanatec wheel and wheelbase and throttle. And then it has the Samsung, you know, surround 48 inch, it's kind of a curved monitor.
0: So, so instead so, of, yeah. so you don't need the three monitors, you just have one big one.
1: Yeah, exactly. Oh, nice. So, I really, I really like the setup a lot. Um, and I mean, I haven't, I thought it was just as good as anything at, you know, the Porsche experience center, they also use Fanatec and, you know, even compared to the, um, base 51 ones, because personally I, I don't like the motion. You know, I I don't find it very realistic. So I prefer that mine is a non motion aside from the cost.
0: (laughs) Of course. Yeah. I can see that. I've I've never done the, the motion ones except for like the arcade style ones. And I just assume that those are, those are way off, but like, it's funny because a roller coaster won't give me motion sickness or like a race car won't give me sickness, motion sickness. But if you put me in like uh, like Universal Studios that has the 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 screen in front of you and like the fake roller coaster, that'll make me sick. Yeah. So I, I, I'm kind of that same way. If you put me in a sim that has fake movements, I'll, I'll probably end up getting motion sickness. Whereas if you put me in a real car, never a problem. Right. <laughs> so then now during like, like California is pretty strict on their quarantining type stuff. Um, Are you spending time doing sim stuff? I I know you've been not, you've been at the track as well. So, I mean, how have you been spending your time in, I guess, lack of a better term, lockdown?
1: (laughs) Well, the first few weeks I was a little bit of a slacker. So, yeah. So I was spending a lot of time on (laughs) the simulator and it was actually really fun because, you know, it's like, you know, on discord with your friends, you're like, okay, let's jump on whatever Laguna tonight or let's do Seabrain tomorrow. And it was kind of a really novel, uh, kind of fun experience. Um, And then I also was participating in the California virtual Festival of Speed. But um, really what I've been doing is focusing on my two new businesses.
0: And do you want to get into what those two are? Is it kind of a yeah, yeah I would love to. Perfect.
1: So the first is uh, with Dwayne Dement. Dwayne Dement just bought the property right outside the gate of Willow Springs. So at 3499 um, 75th Street West in Rosemont, And it's a two and a half acre property that's going to be race car storage, as well as um, a private membership club with a pool and lockers and private car ports and all that stuff. And that's where we're going to co-found the new Racing School High Performance Driving Academy, as well as have teen car control clinics there. So that's something I'm pretty passionate about, all three of the components to Racing School, uh, Driving Academy and Teen Car Control. But because I have two teenage daughters about to drive, I'm really excited about that. You know, as well as, you know, the Racing School, because I think, you know, what's really important when you want to become licensed as a race car driver is not only learning the craft of driving, but the way you need to comport yourself at the racetrack, the way you need to behave and represent your team. And so, you know, we see a lot of people who have the red mist and, you know, crash and turn one. And, you know, what, so all these things are going to be covered in the racing schools so that hopefully the people who are licensed through us will be extremely professional because that's what you need to be. You know, if you want to be a race car driver, you need to show up and represent your team in a, a professional manner and represent them professionally on social media as well. So, and the driving Academy, it's not just, all of this is not just focused on Porsche drivers. It's any uh, race car drivers um, are welcome, you know, so we plan on working with dealerships like Aston Martin, McLaren, McLaren, Lamborghini to have their customers come and be entertained at the club and participate in the driving academies. So I'm really, really excited about the new venture. The teen car control is going to start at the end of June and, you know, throughout the summer vacation and any vacations throughout the school year. And I see a really great need for it because, you know, seeing how the kids drive once summer begins, it's pretty scary.
0: (laughs) Yep. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we we do something very similar um here locally with the SECA the the street survival class and it's, I th- I assume it's very similar like they'll put them on like a wet skid pad and and let them go and basically put them in situations that you would never get in driver's ed. So that uh, that it's an, there's an extreme need for that in my opinion.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, we we've, we've we've talked on the show many times that it's too easy to get a driver's license in America. Like any they just give it to everybody but no one really has that driver skill and like street survival and like your, your performance Academy, those, those, there's a definite need for that and, and more people should be doing that.
1: Yeah. And the other thing I want to focus on is, you know, having more women's track days um, because I, I think that women feel more comfortable when it's just women there and as well as a, a female, female instructors and they feel more comfortable you know it's still a very very male dominated sport
0: yeah i, I definitely and, and like i'm the time trials director locally and it's i want to have everyone know that they're welcome to come race with us or you know time trials with us it's men women at any age it doesn't matter if if you want to be on track we want to make that happen so yeah it's having an all, all women track day or female instructors is perfect for people that are women that might not necessarily be comfortable in a a regular, normal setting. So I I think that's a wonderful thing to have.
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, I remember the first day I walked into the Porsche owners club, the only person who was a female was the person, uh, Lori Taylor, who was the registration person. So, you know, to other women, it might seem really uh, very intimidating Uh, but for me, you know, I had worked on wall street and New York and in male dominated industries. So it was like, yeah, no problem. Uh, bring it on, you know? Um, but for a lot of women, it's just not the same, you know, and, and there still is, you know, a stigma against a woman walking in like, ah, she's going to be slow, you know?
0: And then you're not,
1: (laughs) you know? Um, and honestly, usually it is the case at first, you know, if you have, um, a lot of the. There are some male and female couples, usually the female is slower. And I'm not sure, you know, what the reason is, but I I feel like with more training um, that they could actually go ahead and beat their boyfriends or husbands, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's no biological reason that a man is faster than a woman in in a car. Like it's just, Mm -hmm. you know, anybody could be just as fast in a car. It's, It's about getting comfortable and practice and just knowing the limits of the car and anybody can learn that. So yeah. I, I think that's, yeah, it's, it's, a misconception to think that the, you know, the men are faster. It's like, no, they just happen to have gotten into the sport at a different time in their life. And then, and you, and you've proven that with your championships three years in a row, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, you know, a good driver is a good driver. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I guess I kind of wanted to touch on it, but have you ever had to deal with that t- like prejudices or any, Anything like that while you got into racing?
1: I mean, I think, like I said, when, you know, it actually works to your advantage because when you walk into a room, they think you're a woman and they have nothing to be worried about. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, you can kind of be a little stealth about things, uh, which is quite fun, you know, because then at the end of the day, it's like, okay, you know. Uh, but I remember one one of my uh, most serious competitors in the M4 class one day at the end of the day said, oh, yeah, you know, he was telling his friends, you know, I, I beat all the guys, you know, but he didn't beat the woman, me. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and, and, you know, some other things like uh, I remember when I was driving my car in 2017 in stock uh, and one day. Morning. I arrive back at the track, and there are three guys looking underneath my car. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know, this, <laughs> are they check, checking <laughs> to see whether I'm cheating or what, whatnot? Which I, I would not do,
0: of course not. <laughs> well, I'm, gl- I'm glad to hear that it's not anything egregious. I mean, that, that's that's one of those things. Like you hear ridiculous stories in the past of like someone that's, you know, a woman will come in and then they get treated. Way differently, and and I, again as a as a time trials director, I'm trying to find ways to make sure that everyone knows that any event that I'm involved in is totally inclusive to anybody. So it's just one of those things. Like I want to be aware of things to be an eye, like keep an eye out on and make sure that that we are a better than that.
1: Hmm. You know, I did want to mention. So when I started joining different sim racing groups, um, well, it. <laughs> They kind of dismiss you at first because you're a woman as well, I, I found. And also, uh, I find myself being talked to in a patronizing way.
0: Oh, I get like and, like mansplained?
1: Yeah, just like, <laughs> okay, so now this is what you do. It's like, okay, whatever. But I just, I just let it go, you know, whatever. I don't really uh, pay attention or feed into that because... Uh, usually it's men who are insecure who are going to act that way, you know, so it doesn't, it doesn't bother me, you know?
0: Yeah. And, and I do I, clearly understand this, like the psychology behind it and you're, you know, you can, you can dismiss it cause you know, it's not like a, a personal attack on you or anything you're doing wrong. It's, 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 mm-hmm. it's their misconceptions and, and the way they're handling things incorrectly. Yeah. No, I've, I found that like online gaming too is is like the underbelly of society. So like any anyone that has a mic playing online video yeah, games, yeah. you is <laughs> usually usually not for anything good. So I'm I i do not know. I just kind of once I got over that getting involved in sim racing and and just kind of like, all right, well, don't worry about them. Just 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 do your own thing. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. Again, my my passion is to helping women and kind of because, you know, I I have heard from other professional female racers that at IMSA and some of the other um, events that some comments were made that were really chauvinistic, you know. And again, I would have to say that it's from guys who are insecure about the fact that maybe they're going to be beaten by a woman, you know, so... Um, It's really unnecessary, but it just shows their own immaturity, you know, but that's why, you know, one of my greatest things about or intentions about doing what I'm doing is inspiring women and girls, you know, wherever they are in the world. And so that's, you know, my other business that I'm focusing on right now and has been really productive during this time is um, starting my Daring to be Different coaching. And it's for transformational coaching program for women over 40, you know, who want to turn their passions into profits. So I'm really um, passionate about helping women. And I find that there's, you know, in some women's groups, actually, it's a little catty, you know, and um, I believe that amongst women, there's still some jealousies and cattiness, which is unfortunate, because I think that there's room for everyone. And I want to lift up other women and help them achieve, you know, be the best that they can be no matter what it is, whether it's in race coaching or transformational coaching. So I find that there's room for everyone and that we should be more, uh, give more accolades to other people, you know? So it's something that I really want to do now is inspire.
0: Is, is that involved with the, uh, that I uh, saw you had a Facebook group, Fearless Female Entrepreneurs Group. Is that, is that what that is?
1: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I started that a week and a half ago. And it's the Fearless Female Entrepreneurs 40 plus group. And it's for women only. And I just find that, you know, with, with a women's group and for my coaching as well, uh, we're going to be able to be more honest with each other, whether it comes to relationships, business, you know, whatever it is. You know, without it's kind of being in an all girls school versus a co-ed school, you know you don't have you know a lot of like STEM programs now are focused on on girls only schools um, because it allows you to flourish in an environment that you might not be able to with the general public being there
0: Well, that's good I, yeah and I'm, I'm assuming it's been a positive reception and, and that you're growing already, which in a week and a half is is very impressive
1: thank you yeah it's um i love starting new things it's actually one of my favorite things is starting new businesses and driving them to success is it's a it's a big challenge it takes a lot of time but you know type a it it i like it
0: (laughs) yeah and 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 you're very good at it it sounds because not a lot of people could have the the resume that you have and have multiple emmys multiple tellies you know awards for furniture design it's it's all across the board and it, and it just shows that you could be successful at anything you you know put your mind to and and focus on and that, and i assume that that type of mentality is shown in i guess for these uh your entrepreneurs group and business is is that like seminars um i guess i guess what does that look like
1: so for the women's group um the group itself is just open and, and general, it's not for my coaching clients. Uh, my coaching clients uh, are part of a different group. And what it is, it's, it's basically a 10-week, 10 10-module 10 program where I help them with everything from mindset to one-on-one coaching to many different areas of, of getting their own programs online Um, including how to get podcasts and how to get speaking gigs, the whole gamut. And once a week, we have a question and answer session uh, on Facebook. And so, you know, we're able to go through whatever problems they're having with, you know, the different statements that they're writing, et cetera. So it's really um, a whole approach of, of helping a woman, you know, turn her passion, something that she's really good at and, You know something that she has knowledge to becoming successful. So yeah, I'm really excited about it.
0: That's awesome. I'm I'm, and I'm I'm glad that it's it's taking off so quickly and that it's it's going so well. I I I think that it shows that there there are passionate women out there and women that that want to be in the position that you're in or something similar. I guess and kind of to, to take that to focus like on automotive or racing. Um, do you have any advice to anyone that's trying to, you know, dip their toe into racing?
1: Well, yeah. Um, come to our racing school. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and where can we no, find seriously.
1: that? I mean, there are so many, no, there are so many different clubs. I mean, there's uh BMW focus clubs. There's the Audi club. I mean, I belong to that as well. And so at the beginning I would do everything speed district hooked on driving, you know, um, you know, they have, it's unlimited, right? So, but the ones, the one that I would really recommend if you want a systematic approach, um, that is Porsche Owners Club. Um, uh, but also, you know, the racing school and performance driving Academy that we're starting, which, uh, will be starting towards the end of the summer. So whatever it is, um, make sure it's an instructor who, is knowledgeable, is patient, uh really knows how to show you everything, you know, in the car as well as go over the track maps with you and and sort of the ins and outs of of what is it, what's the first step that you do? Where do you go when you get to the track? You know, everything from step one through, you know, A through Z. Um, so there are plenty of qualified instructors out there, uh, but just make sure it's the right one for you. Everyone, you know, has a different style.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. And I, I guess I didn't realize how involved the, the Porsche club, uh, like coachings really are like, are, so like you get paired up, is it paired up one-on-one throughout the whole weekend or how does that work?
1: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you get paired up with a, um, an instructor and yeah. So you get them for Sat. If you signed up for Saturday and Sunday, you typically get that same instructor both days. And, you know, it's, it's really incredible and you don't have to have a Porsche. You could have a Nissan or like other, other brands. It's not just Porsche exclusive.
0: That's good to know. And then do you guys do like ride alongs with them or is it more coaching from like different corners of the track?
1: Well, right now, very <laughs> social distancing, yep. <laughs> it, we can't get in the car, but usually it's, it's in the car. And what I like to do is, you know, after I get out of the car, well, before and after, um, to go over the track and, you know, really be quite detailed on, you know, how to approach. If it's Willow Springs, it's completely different from Streets of Willow, Button Willow, Auto Club Speedway. And, you know, also look at the car that they're driving, make sure that it's safe and that the brakes are sufficient. Um, but especially after the track, going out on the track is to sit down and go over the track map and just discuss different things. Cause the sooner you do it, after you get out of the car, the better the retention is. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah that that, is, that sounds really in, in depth and, 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 very helpful. I think that, that that would set um, like really good habits right away. So, like if someone's coming in and they don't know what they're doing necessarily, and then they go to a, and have you as a coach, it'd be, you know, you walk them through, starting at, at, as soon as you get here, here's what we do. And then here's what you do on track. And then as soon as you get off track, here's the track map, here's your notes. And it's, it's, I mean, those types of things getting ingrained right off the bat is, is, is priceless. I mean, that's, that's, and and then you don't have to fight trying to fix things later. So that's, that's really good.
1: Yeah. And I'm pretty competitive, as I said. So if I find that one of my students is promising, (laughs) Then I'll take my 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 aim data logger with me in their car, and you know I'm really intent on them improving every session so that they win first place at the end of the day.
0: Is it is that based on like fastest time or is that most improved?
1: Fastest time, fastest time in their class. So oh. that is the goal. So I'm really pleased when somebody is going to achieve that. Not so pleased when they're not.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, so you take that 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 tough love approach as well with your coaching?
1: Definitely. I think it works. You know, I, I, um, I don't think people need to be coddled. You know, if you want to perform, perform, you know, don't make excuses, just do it. You know, there's, there's no time to waste, you know, and and that's how I feel about coaching in general. This is not about chit chat. It's about getting you somewhere, you know, and fast.
0: (laughs) Yep. You, You have a goal. Let's get there. Yeah, I'm picturing you with the coffee mug. I've seen it like a million times. It's, it says, no one cares, work harder. I, f- I feel like that's something you would have.
1: Yeah, it's pretty dramatic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I guess we can kind of start wrapping this up. Do you have anything planned for 2020? I, I know now it's, everything's kind of pushed out. Is there anything currently planned or has anything been pushed out to 2021 that you, you know you, you have your intent on doing?
1: Well, I was uh, invited to speak on a panel, a Porsche panel at Goodwood Festival of Speed, which now, of course, we know has been postponed. And uh, possibly to drive in a celebrity rally that starts in London, goes to the West Coast, and then heads to Las Vegas. So that's also been postponed till 2021. And uh, in terms of aside from starting the racing school and the transformational coaching, um, I plan on being back in the race car, hopefully in a GT2, uh, towards the later part of this year.
0: Well, it's awesome. And good luck with that. Um, there's one question I had that's lingering. Um, it's one of those things that I'm kind of self-serving, but for you, what's it, what's your typical like pre-race, um, ritual, I guess, for lack of a better term.
1: So I like to, I like to, uh, be, Early, not on time, but early to the grid. Um, I think it shows uh, preparation, maturity, and I believe it's necessary to be successful is to be early. And so you can just relax in the car and prepare yourself mentally. And then the other thing that I typically do is is I blow into my hand three times really hard to like kind of get get the energy out um, yeah, I pretty much do that that every time, and then I also think to myself. I remind myself um, that I I wanted I want to do what Bruce Lee used to do, and that is be like water, you know, and, and be really smooth around the track. And it's something that I've observed the way Dwayne Dement drives, and that's. Would I try and talk to myself? <laughs> yeah, you know, I do talk to myself. Sometimes I'll shout like on the track, like yep. left, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like throttle, you know, like just like do it, you know.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that, that's got to help you stay focused. I mean, that's 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 in my eyes, that's really good because I I just finished the Ross Bentley thirty day. Um, I can't think what's called like focus basically. So like his pre his pre race prep thing would be like cross crawls where you're you're hitting your right knee with your left hand and then switch to your right hand, to your left knee and go back and forth and just kind of get centered. And then, you know, I got your trigger word if you notice that you're losing focus. So like, so like right now mine is I'm ready. It's just, just one of those things that's like, you know, if I, if I see that I'm noticing myself going like my brain's going over here and I'm like, well, the, the turns over there, what are you doing? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready for this turn. I'm ready to take it. So I think, even if you haven't taken that course or, or followed his like lead, you clearly are already doing that. So it's just kind of, it's kind of cool to see two different coaches with very similar, like pre-race prep and focus prep and, and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. And you know, Ross Bentley is amazing. And you know, I have to say last year, uh, for Watkins Glen and, and Road America, I, I bought his track walk. So useful. I mean, incredible. And then he also has his live Q&A's and uh, we're hoping to have him at the new racing school as guest appearance for sure. He's incredible and inspiration to all and a really great teacher.
0: Yeah, I've, we had him on the show years ago when he first started his podcast we were shortly into ours and he reached out to us and i'm like uh we're nobodies and you're like the best coach ever so of course we'll do it i don't know why you're talking to us and we it (laughs) was just it was just so incredible that he would he would want to talk to us and and took the time to to do an interview and and i've you know i've been a huge fan i've read his books i've you know any like webinars and stuff like that so i mean it's I'm, i'm at that point in my racing is that i I know all the things I should be doing and now I need to actually put it in action. And that, and that's where I'm, it's, it's like a really frustrating time because I know everything I'm doing wrong, which is a lot, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, he, but yeah, he, he's helped me really see the proper ways of going about things.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But yeah. So yeah, if, if, if you're following that mentality and in, in your racing school, I think you'll be extremely successful. And I, and I think you'll have a, you know, a line out the door of people just waiting to get in. So I, I do, I wish you the best and I, I, I expect it to be extremely successful.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This is really entertaining. A wonderful way to spend a COVID-19 afternoon, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, this, this was perfect. And, and I'm glad we were finally able to sit down and get a chance to do it. I've, I've been meaning to reach out to you for actually quite a while. And then, yeah, this, this all hit and we've been trying to get interviews in and this, this, this really worked out. And, and I know this would have been hard to get into your schedule. So it, it worked out really well. <laughs>
1: Yeah, thank you. It's an honor to be here, Robert.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I appreciate your time. I won't take up any more. We're I'm using every second of one hour, so I I promised you an hour, and we're using every second of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, and I uh, hope you enjoy the rest of your night.
1: Okay, thank you so All
0: much. <laughs> See you. All right, that's our show. Again, we want to thank Martina for coming on. This was a, a long time coming. I've been really looking forward to this for quite some time, so I was really happy to get a chance to sit down and take advantage of the fact that everyone's locked down. Um, if you want to reach out to her, you can find her on Instagram at Martina Kwan. Otherwise, Martinaquan.com. And be sure to keep an eye out for the high-speed academy that she's uh, opening up this year. And you can also, if you're a woman over 40, which I know there's probably not a lot listening that are, but if you are, head over to her Facebook group. Otherwise, there's a link to it off of her uh, Facebook or her website at Martinaquan.com. As always, you can find us on YouTube, uh, Facebook, or anywhere you find podcasts, uh, 10 tenths Podcast. And then if you're looking for our articles and uh, our weekly updates, head over to tracktune.com and hit on the podcast link. We'll catch you guys next week.